Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome to Science in Africa, a nature career podcast series. I'm Akinjimo, Chief Editor of Nature Africa. I work and live in Lagos and I'm passionate about promoting science and public health journalism in my native Nigeria and across Africa. In this series, we've been exploring the practice of science in this wonderful continent. The progress, the issues, the needs, and in the words of the African scientists who are based here. In this eighth and last episode, we look at science communication in Africa and hear about some creative solutions to promote science to the general public. Let's meet our researcher. I'm Mary Bita. I am a mental health researcher based at um, the Kenya Medical Research Institute Welcome Trust program in Kilifi, Kenya, and my research just develops and tests interventions that aim to address stigma in mental health in this setting. There are so many problems with mental health in Kenya. First of all, we do not even have a national survey, so we do not even know the precise burden of mental disorders in Kenya. And, and because of this, there are so many problems, all the way from individual, interpersonal, community, organizational level. Um, but one key problem that is cross-cutting is stigma. And uh, stigma at all these levels, at all the levels that I've mentioned. And um, mainly, at, for example, at individual level, this comes because of cultural beliefs about the causes of these disorders. And some people think that mental health problems are caused by witchcraft or by evil spirits, or by curses from parents or grandparents, whereas others think that some mental illnesses like depression are just a sign of laziness, or some people even believe that neurodevelopmental disorders like autism and attention deficit hyperactivity disorders, commonly called ADHD, 
are just defiant behavior from a child, whereas in fact most of these children really struggle to cope. And then um, this cascades down, cascades up, I would say, goes all the way up to, for example, the policy level where there are misconceptions about the low priority of mental health because of data. So they, they, they do not prioritize mental health. And what this leads to is lack of resource allocation to mental health. So and then this again goes down to the community level and organizational levels where now for example, we don't have community mental health units in Kenya. We do not have drugs. We always have shortage of uh, psychiatric drugs at the facility levels just because of uh, the lack of you know, attention for mental health at the policy level. Uh, interventions try to intervene at different levels. As you can, you can hear, it's not possible to intervene at all the levels at any one time. Um, but I think one of the key things is usually one, to try and address stigma at individual, interpersonal and community levels. And two, to just try and lobby at policy level so that across the different um, sectors or levels, the matter is taken up. In the last five years alone, we've had policy documents specifically for mental health. For example, there has been a national mental health policy, and a national mental health action plan, and this has been developed and adopted at like national level and regional level. And then um, there's also been progress in like amending legislation. For example, there has been a recent lobby to decriminalize suicide because as we speak, suicide is illegal in Kenya. Um, speaking of regionally here in Kilifi, there's been tremendous progress, I guess, partly influenced by the presence of a research institute that's generating evidence. Um, so compared to when I started working in Kilifi in 2015, um, there's been a lot of progress in every level of care. For example, they just recently formed, um, mental health technical working group, which now oversees all mental health activities. And then I think for me, the most promising venture here in Kilifi has been costing the mental health action plan, which means that money will be available for activities. And I think with that, things, things are looking up, things will improve greatly. challenges that are common to like all fields of research and then there are challenges that are unique to specific fields and for me interestingly one of my biggest challenges is just language barrier and I mean you know um, I conduct research in either Kiswahili or Kigiriyama so Kiswahili is Kenya's lingua franca and then Kigiriyama is the most widely spoken language here and then I you know analyze and present my findings in English now um uh, the, I, my method of working is participatory action research, which means that I involve the target populations in design, implementation, and evaluation of interventions. And so this demands that even communicating, they, I should communicate my results. Now, um, for many of my concepts, I do not have equivalent Kiswahili words or Kigiriyama words to express this. And so, um, although I try my best to, to make as good translations as possible, sometimes a lot of this is lost. So it becomes very difficult to communicate. I'll give you a recent example. I just concluded research on stigma. And then one of the outcomes I had was uh, changes in attitude, to measure changes in attitude as one of the many domains. And one of the subdomains I had was an attitude called authoritarianism. Now, I tried to translate this to Kiswahili as best as I could in a way that could be understood, and I'm still struggling with that. So that's just one of the things, just finding the right words to communicate the concepts without losing meaning. 
another one around culture would be you know um the belief systems about some very critical components of our research for example samples here in um the Kenya Medical Research Institute there had been a long standing um suspicion in the community particularly about around collection of blood samples so one of the key pieces of work that we do here is malaria research which requires um collection of blood samples at many intervals and there was a time when there was a rumor going on in the community that um the blood samples were being like there was this huge so we, within our the Kemri logo, the organizational logo, there's a snake, which is usually common in many medical fields of research. And so there was this rumor that we are collecting blood to feed a certain like demon or something. <laughs> um, and so there, there was suspicious about the number of times we were collecting blood and where we were taking this blood. And what happened is that a whole community engagement department had to be set up and, and, and run in the community to try and destigmatize these myths. Um, and for a long time, and we still have people to date who believe that um, Cambry, the research institute, collects blood for <laughs> demonic reasons. So that so there is that suspicion. And, and for a long time, um, even to date, we, we have international collaborators from all over the world. Um, and so when, you know, they see white people in the organization, um, and like myself, I'm from a different part of the country, I've come here, and we are collecting these samples. There are those suspicions about, um, you know, the, the the culture and the belief around blood and then suspicions about what some of these things are being used for because of lack of clarity um, or lack of understanding of scientific concepts. I'll give a recent example of a study where we had to collect saliva samples for a genetic study. Now, um, there's a lot of sacredness around uh, saliva in this com in the Kigiriyama community, which is where I work. And there's also a lot of sacredness around genetics, which is, you know, uh, passing on information from one generation to another. Uh, so some of the challenges we had to, uh, we, we encountered is um, trying to demystify the myths that surround passing on genetic diseases, some of which mental health, um, some of which mental disorders um, fall under. Psychiatric conditions like schizophrenia or psychosis, um, bipolar mood disorders, and even um, neurodevelopmental disorders for which there is evidence that there is genetic links. And um, just explaining that we would um, be storing saliva samples for a long time because um, it has a very personal and a very spiritual meaning for, for some of the uh, people here. So we really had a challenging time explaining this concept and gaining acceptance from the community. Um, so those are just some of the you know, challenges that I experience in communicating this. Just the complexity even of the concepts of, of science itself. Yeah. The lack of trust is rooted in local belief systems, religion, attitudes to science, and other issues around confidence in the authorities. Mary uses art and artistic performance to get around this. I'll give an example from one of my projects called Diffusimo, which is a Kigiriyama word that means breaking free. So I use actually uh, mainstream media and alternative media, social media. And I use art as a method of communication, specifically songs, dance, poems, and even short participatory videos and documentaries. 
Now here in the local culture, in, in the Kigiriyama culture, and I believe in many cultures across the continent, you know, music and dance have been used to preserve history, to explain phenomenal, and even most importantly, to pass very serious messages in very light moments. And the issue that I'm trying to tackle, which is stigma, is a very contentious one, particularly in the context of mental health because of the cultural associations and beliefs. And so um, that's why I chose art, because one, it brings people together. And then in art, there's freedom of expression, which is very critical and which gives us an opportunity to, to address those really contentious issues. So like when we have the mask, the mask campaigns at the community level, we actually get um, our artists to perform the songs, which are in most occasions formatted as question and answer. So the artist will sing a song asking the population a question, um, and then the population will will give an answer. As an, I'll give an example. You know, the, the the artist will sing and ask, "What do you think causes depression?" As a song, and then maybe a member of the community will say, "I don't know, thinking too much, or maybe stress, or something." And then the artist will reply in song and say, um, "Would you like to come and dance with me?" To ready to pop the question. The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. To, you know, to demonstrate how you can like stop depression or be happy or something like that. So it's usually very participatory and interactive. But within the song, there, there are messages about what causes these illnesses and what someone can do uh, when they have these disorders. And we even sometimes communicate our findings like, did you know that there is a cure for depression? Did you know that if you suffer from this, you can get help here and there? All that is usually entailed in the song. <laughs> So we do. So what the design of, for example, Diffusimo was such that we were working with people across all the levels, including like the administrators, etc. So when we have an event, we just usually advertise it through the administrators for the different like regions. And then we set a date and we send out the message and then people just show up, people just come. And then, yeah, we perform and we, we share the messages. We have some events inside, we have some events outside. Um, sometimes we attract, um, so, well, the pandemic brought challenges in terms of the number of people you could gather together, but pre-pandemic it would be like, in I don't know, in hundreds maybe, at any one gathering. That's the whole point, yes. it's it's um, We focus on the entertainment to attract the crowds because we, we want people to, you know, we do not want the seriousness that's usually attached to, you know, research and health science that will not attract the crowd so uh, we, we we value the entertainment value of the of the songs but we also ensure that you know once people are settled and the crowd is calm we now engage in not only an entertaining way but also i call it knowledge exchange not just educating because educating sounds like one way um, we like engaging like in knowledge exchange but we use the entertainment component to attract the crowds 
The, the Diffusimo program uses um, a concept called participatory action research, which means that um, the target population or the stakeholders in whatever issue you're trying to address are involved in um, the conceptualization, development, implementation, and evaluation of the interventions. So um, in our case, the stakeholders are at the center of it are people with lived experience in mental illness and their caregivers. And then we also have um, healthcare providers, which could include biomedical healthcare providers, traditional healers, spiritual healers. And then we also have representatives from the administrative units, etc. And the idea is that concept development is shared. So in the case of Diffusimo, um, it is um, people with lived experience and traditional healers and spiritual healers who suggested the use of songs and music and dance essentially as a tool or as a method of communicating. Um, because like I said, um, mental health is a very somber topic. I think all over the world and even in this setting and it is surrounded with a lot of myths and misconceptions and so um, you know they suggested that to address this we would use something that is light and where we'll be allowed to express ourselves because um, you know music allows you know jokes and you know um, etc so that is how we chose music and dance as a method of communicating um, discussing stigma in mental health essentially. Asante, asante, asante sana DJ. Asante sana kila mtu ambaye yuko hapo. A lot of our work is audiovisual. Um and so we um we also rely on you know pictures and videos and music to disseminate the information because when we go for like community outreaches uh, we usually film you know, some of the stories that we collect in the field. And so uh, one prominent work that we did was a documentary called The Man in Chains, which was about a person who had lived with schizophrenia for 25 years. And the community believed that this person possessed supernatural powers. And they and so he never sought any form of treatment for his illness. And he deteriorated and he started wandering away and getting lost. And then they would chain him to a tree in his homestead. And that's how we coined the name Man in Chains. And so we've used this documentary to speak about stigma around mental illness, beliefs and myths and misconceptions about the causes of mental illness. And I think it has always been very emotive. But we've, we've, in most circumstances, received overwhelmingly positive reception and people have opened up about, for example, people that they're hiding at home because of stigma and they've really expressed gratitude for showing that film because they've seen avenues which they can help their own people um, back at home. Yeah. So, yeah, so we use documentaries. We've posted them on our, on our website and our social media platforms. But when we go to the field, we actually carry filming and screening equipment. So we will carry the projector, a laptop, a white screen, speakers and everything. And we'll select a venue with access to electricity. And we plug in our, our equipment and show the population. So with the radio events, what we usually do is just um, we do we book slots for just discussing mental health, and it's it's usually advertised on the radio pages, the web pages, and everything. And then 
it's just and mostly it's usually around prime time so maybe eight in the morning or 8 p.m so yeah we'll just get people listening in and calling in live to ask questions and sometimes to to challenge some of the things that we've said and then we usually just answer and have discussions usually moderated by like the the radio presenter for that particular show yeah, we have had metrics where we've attracted a million listeners. And remember, with the radio shows, it's not regional. It's it's people are listening from different parts of the country. So we have had um, large listenerships for some of the programs, as high as a million people. Yeah. I'm personally very interested in Meribita's innovative strategy to improve the care of mental health patients in Kenya. As a science communicator in Nigeria, I well understand the challenges of trying to overcome cultural barriers and the multifaceted approach you need to overcome them. In 2013, I undertook a task for UNICEF Nigeria to increase vaccine uptake in children. The Muslim population of Northern Nigeria became suspicious of an immunization program. Polio, measles, diphtheria, and other childhood immunizable diseases they began to believe misinformation that the vaccines affected fertility. We launched various myth-busting campaigns about how vaccines are developed and manufactured. We engaged community and religious leaders, recruited thousands of volunteers to knock on people's doors, and organized National Fascination Days. We used all forms of media, newspapers, radio, television, and community theater to educate the public. And it worked. In 2020, Nigeria, the last polio endemic country in Africa, was officially certified free from polio after marking three consecutive years since the last case of wild polio was reported. Mary Bitter came up against a similar wall of misconceptions, but used a different approach, participatory action research in order to educate. Did it work? The quantitative results of our analysis are showing that it's working. Um, yes, we are seeing an improvement in levels of knowledge, in changes in attitude and improvements in reported and intended behaviors. Um, but of course, what we are observing so far is in the short term. So we are yet to see whether these effects will be sustained in the long term. But um, again, just to say that our campaigns have been very targeted. We have um, The campaigns that we've evaluated um, empirically have been very targeted to specific groups. So again, um, you know, you're asking a very difficult question about whether this works for large mass populations. That is something that we are yet to see. But just to say, I'm sure everyone appreciates that change takes time. Um, we're asking people to change their long-held beliefs and and attitudes and behavior, that is something you have to wait and see. For me, one big outcome of this work is that we are opening avenues for dialogue. I think for me that's a big change because um, mental health stigma has been a taboo subject for the longest time. And so just the fact that there are these avenues for dialogue, for me, is evidence that we are one step in the right direction. As long as it's contextually relevant, um, the idea of, I think the idea of participatory action research is long overdue because um, when you use participatory approaches, you actually address what matters the most to that target population, which varies from, from population to population. And then also um, there's a, there's a, 
problem researchers refer to as type 3 error, which essentially means challenges with problem conceptualization. But if you use participatory action research, you actually conceptualize the problem correctly. For instance, um, in most cases, mental health is conceptualized biomedically, which means that um, people think of schizophrenia, depression, those categorical, you know, categorization of mental illness. But that's what we've learned for Diffusimo is that that's not how people understand mental health in this setting. Um, some people actually understand it as a blessing in disguise in the instances where they believe someone possesses supernatural powers, whereas a doctor would call those hallucinations and delusions. So I think they are sustainable if they're locally adapted and if they're participatory so that when you're addressing a problem, you address what matters most to the population you're targeting. Yeah. Misinformation about science, whether it's mental health or immunization programs, is a global challenge, not just Africa's. The recent divided opinions about COVID vaccines is a case in point. Good science communication is critical to preserving and improving the health of society. Thankfully, there are positive stories like Mary Bitter's, but much more needs to be done. Well, that's all for this episode and the series, Science in Africa, a Nature Careers podcast. I'm Akinjimo, Chief Editor of Nature Africa. I hope you've enjoyed the journey. Thank you for listening. Thinking about your next career move in research and development? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that's investing £20 billion in R&D over the next two years. The nation that's home to four of the world's top research universities. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.